Gee whiz. Amazing. Well, several weeks ago, we started a series titled Wisdom for the Age, uh, based on Jesus' dialogue with his disciples following their expression of awe at the magnificent of the magnificence of the temple and the beauty and size of the buildings at the temple complex. And if you've ever been over there and stood at the bottom of the Western Wall uh, and look up, you can get a sense of what they were experiencing. Essentially, Jesus paints a prophetic word picture of the unfolding of history once the kingdom of God is broken in and defeated the kingdoms of this world and of the ages. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, hatred, immorality, persecution of those who love righteousness, all of which he reveals as being the birth pains. Some of you ladies understand that, huh? The birth pains, ouch, of the age to come. He then, with the use of one word at the head of one sentence, transports us to a singular event in time where the church is awakened from her slumber to enter into that which he had prepared for her. Matthew 25, 1, then, then, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. I want to reiterate some of what I said concerning the then of that statement. Then, of course, compels us forward to a time not yet reached, to events that have not yet transpired. Then says that it has been like this up to this point, and maybe even for a little while longer we'll be able to maintain the status quo, but eventually, when then arrives, it will definitely be different. But more than that, the statement is, then the kingdom of heaven will be like. So what does that suggest? That when then arrives, the kingdom of heaven will be different than how it is understood now. That the kingdom of heaven will function different in some aspect than it does at the moment. But most of all, it tells us that the kingdom of heaven is not rigid, not locked up, in or boxed up, but rather it is fluid and flexible, living word rather than dead letter. And if you remember, we explored the five wise and the five unwise virgins coming to the conclusion that wisdom, real spiritual wisdom, dictates that we, as did the church in the book of Acts, should be continually filling not only our lamps, with the oil of the Holy Spirit, but we should be doing so in such a way and frequently enough to provide for ourselves an overflow of anointing, a flask, as it were, separate from the lamp, containing an extra supply for those tough times. Anyone ever run into tough times? Huh? <laughs> About dry times those times when our ability to connect with the corporate expression is hindered and we have to rely on our own personal ability to worship 
pray in the Spirit, and apprehend the presence for ourselves. But especially for the end times, the then of Jesus' opening remark. I will say it again as I stated then. I know of no other gift of the Spirit that better facilitates this ability uh, or draws on the power of the Holy Spirit more than praying in tongues. Not as a prophetic utterance, but as a personal prayer language. We follow that line of thought through to what I believe was a natural next question on the following week by asking, if all of this is true, how then should we live? And again, referencing back to the then of Jesus' opening remark to suggest that the word then gives fluidity and flexibility to both the activity and accessibility of the kingdom in order that the not yet of the kingdom, those things that pertain to the age to come, can be utilized in the now of time that we live in. Did you follow that? Okay. We live in the now and the not yet. You're living in this time, correct? So let's say you're sick. You've been diagnosed with brain tumors, and you're inoperable. And the doctor says, you know, you won't see Christmas. And you come to church, and someone says, you know, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. I feel like you're at death's door. You know, I don't know what it is, but I, I just want to pray. And they lay their hands on your head, and the next time you go to the doctor, he's like in shock and awe because there's no more tumors. So what has happened? You've reached out of the now of the life that you live in where disease and sin and death and destruction rule and reign and somebody reaches into the kingdom that is to come where Jesus Christ is seated on the, th- seated on the throne where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more disease, no more death and pulls it back into this time and applies it to your life. That's what I'm talking about. Get it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, now I lost my spot. <laughs> uh, yay. To bring glory and honor to the King Jesus Christ. So in the book of Acts, healing could happen by Peter's shadow touching you. They used to line the sick up on the streets on sunny days, knowing Peter's daily routine, hoping that he'd walk by and his shadow would touch the sick and they'd be healed. Anyone want to live in that realm? I mean, what? What? It's amazing. Or Paul's prayed over handkerchiefs arriving in the mail, and you open the package and pull out a hanky, and you're suddenly healed because Paul prayed for it and anointed it with oil and sent it to you, USPS. Right? And it's in the book of Acts. That's what they did. This was an inbreaking expression of the promised health of the kingdom to come. In the more recent past, healing and miracles have been manifest through the lives of particular anointed individuals like Smith Wigglesworth. Don't you love that name? I always want to do this, you know. (laughs) It's worth a wiggle, right? 
I hope you're not an AG person. If I offended you, I'm sorry. John G. Lake, Oral Roberts, Amy Semple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, or Benny Hinn. All of these attracted large crowds and followings who often saw them or their personal anointing as the source of healing. You know that's an error, right? Okay, good. The Vineyard Church, through John Wimber, introduced a transitional understanding with a statement that in the kingdom, everybody gets to play. We can all do the stuff because Christ is in us. That where we are, so is the king. When you show up on the scene, Jesus shows up with you. And that's good news for a lot of lives, I got to tell you. This is played out today through ministries like Robbie Dawkins, who not only prays for people, if you ever get prayer from Robbie Dawkins, if you're the first one, if he has a word of knowledge, I see people, you know, uh, let's just say bad disc, you know, you get bad disc, and six people put up their hand, and the first one gets prayer and they get healed. Guess what Robbie does? This ministry is yours now. Everybody else with a bad back, come and see them. I'm going to do this over here. Because freely receive, freely give. Everybody gets to play. It's not just a cute little wimberism. It's the reality of living in the kingdom. God invests in your life in order that you can give away what he's given to you. If you keep it to yourself, it's going to rot inside you. Your life will become stagnant water, green and smelly. Nobody likes a swamp. Well, some people do. <laughs> I know one or two people who do. <laughs> I won't get any names, no names. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> was that you, Claire? <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, Todd White, Joel and Lacey Hill. Joel and Lacey, come here. I mean, do you, any of you follow their blog? I, what an amazing young couple. What an amazing young couple and, and how God is using them in such profound ways, you know. And many others who are now canvassing the whole earth with the good news, with signs and wonders leading those who are once unreachable into the power and love of Jesus Christ. We also looked uh, at three different biblical characters who lived out three different biblical principles that enabled them to become powerful world influencers in their own age, culture, and circumstances. Abraham, living in obedience. Moses, taking a risk compelled by divine curiosity, goes to watch a bush burn and discovers both God as well as God's purpose for his life. And finally, Elijah a man who the Apostle James informs us was just like us. But man, could he pray. And when he prayed, nature and nations were moved and prophets, priests, and kings rose and fell because James 5.16 says, tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Isn't that good? That's the passion translation, by the way. That's really, really good. 
tremendous power. It's resident in you. You want to see it applied? Do what Elijah did. Pray fervently. Pray and watch God move. Jesus says you have not because why? You ask not, right? You're not praying? Then finally, we looked at Moses to discover what one man willing to take the risk of faith, walk in obedience, and converse with God through intimate prayer and intercession could accomplish with what he had in his hand, with what he was already equipped with before the divine of the kingdom to come intruded into the mundane of the age in which he lived. And this is where we will pick up our study this week, in the now of the kingdom. Because as important as knowing what the then, the future state of the kingdom will look like and what posture we should be in, what preparation we should make and what expectations we should hold, the truth of the matter is, is that we have not yet reached the end of the age and consequently all of our preparation and activities much must take place in the now and reality of the time and age in which we live. You have to be applicable to your now. You can't make a difference in today if your head is in tomorrow. Don't be so spiritually minded that you're no earthly good. Right? Some of the most spiritual things you can do is knock on your neighbor's door when you know it's a single mom and say, hey, how can I help? Right? Is that spiritual? Right? Our little neighbor across the street, she came and she testified to the city when we were trying to get occupancy here. Fought a good fight for us there. That following summer, uh, she was living in that house by herself. She's She's an amputee. And I saw her lawn all grown up like about this high. When got my lawnmower, never said a word, just mowed her whole lawn, driveway all the way back to the back. Never said a word. Right? That impacted her, impacted her heart and her spirit. That is the spiritual life in the kingdom, that we express the love of Jesus Christ. Now, if this is, in fact, our reality, and that reality is our pathway towards God's ultimate destination, then God must have put a plan in place, a proper response to the age we live in, a means of reconciliation of the heart for each of us up against the assaults of sin and evil that wants to rob the richness of Christ from our lives. God has an answer for each one of your needs individually, and for all of us, corporately. And he did. I I love the scriptures. I love how alive the word of God is and how it can suddenly erupt into a torrent of revelation and blessed assurance when we, by faith, search the scriptures in pursuit of the Lord. When we obey his written commands, seek out the mysteries hidden in the burning flames of the Holy Spirit's all-consuming love, and pray fervently, passionately, and intimately in order to attract the hearing ear 
of our Father in heaven who will move mountains in response to our petitions. What an awesome God we serve. His love, his mercy, his passion and compassion for us is beyond measure, beyond our understanding, and yet it is the very sustaining essence of his presence in us. All of that is resident in you. The mercy, the love, the compassion of Christ comes into you when he comes into you. All that he is resides in you. Christ in you, Paul says, the hope of glory. Ephesians 3.14 says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every family. That group of people you don't like is not excluded from this statement. What's that mean? You got to change your attitude. Don't you hate that? (laughs) That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's where your character is. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more, now listen to this, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work where? Within us. Within us. We're like giant cans of Prego soup. It's already in there. Right? Just got to crank that can opener. Let it out. Heat it up. Serve it with crackers. That's it. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this past week, I ended up reading in Matthew 25 again and picked up where we had left off with the wise and foolish virgins. Only this time, I happened to be reading a King James Version. And I just want to say, listen, don't be afraid to explore different translations and versions of the Bible. Uh, You'll discover rich word changes. You know, it's really quite amazing because the The Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic languages, which were the original languages of the scripture, are much richer than English, okay? Often offering different expressions for the same word, such as the English word for, in English is love. In New Testament Greek could be eros, filio, or agape. Same English word, three Greek words. Okay, so you read a translation, and all you read is love. And you have your own understanding of that, but you might be off by a quarter mile if he's talking about filio up against agape, right? And you have to know this. So in the King James Version, the opening line of Jesus' next statement after the wise and foolish virgins just struck me because he had transitioned back 
from the then of what will be to the now of what is in place, thus giving us both a directive as well as parameters for living in the kingdom of our age. It is part of what I love about biblical research, that you can read a verse a thousand times and suddenly it comes alive to you, right? So I started in Matthew 25, 14. And I got to say, this was as random. I did not go there intentionally. I keep a small King James Bible in my throne room. When I'm on the throne, I reach for that. And I just happened to open to Matthew 25 and begin to read. So <laughs> here's what it says. For the kingdom of heaven is, the kingdom of heaven is, as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. I remember that opening line. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his own ability. To every man according to whose ability? His own. Right, So I can't function on Jim's ability. I will never be anywhere close as Donna Buchanan. I have to function in my own ability because that's where he has gifted me, in my own ability. If I try to function in someone else's ability, I will stumble, fall, and fail and become discouraged and weary trying to do good works that I'm not equipped to do. Okay? Don't try to live out someone else's gifting. You've got your own. Time better spent discovering what he's gifted you with than observing what others do and trying to mimic that. And straight away, he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made another five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and dug in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now, if you think this is just a cute little story, uh, most of the coins discovered in the Middle East archaeologically are in little pouches hidden in holes in the ground. It was a common practice in Jesus' day because they were a oppressed people. So if the Romans knew you had so much money, they're going to come and tax it away from you. So they would hide it in holes in the ground. Okay. Know anyone that's a hoarder? Hmm. There you go. Always afraid to lose it by giving it away. It's not kingdom. You only have it so you can give it. After a long time, after a long time from the now till the then, been over 2,000 years. Is that a long time? After a long time, 
the Lord of those servants returned and reckoned with them. Oh, what a glorious day when Jesus returns. I can't wait to hear that trumpet sound. It's going to be awesome, you know, people popping up out of the grave. and Don't forget, he's going to reckon with you. He's going to judge the world, but he's going to reckon with you. What did you do with what I gave you? And we get it first. Judgment begins in the house of God, not out there, brothers and sisters. And so he that had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, you gave to me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. So he doubled his money, right? His Lord said to him, well done. You good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now watch this dynamic. Faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Do you see the multiplication in that? And God doesn't just add, he multiplies. If you're faithful in a little, guess what? You get a lot. Right there, one, one of the versions of this in one of the Gospels, I don't know, he says, I will make you a ruler over this many cities. Just because I, I made 10 bucks from five, you know, I get cities. I mean, is that an uptick? Right? What an investment. I'm only working with what he gave me. It's not even mine. I get cities. That's astounding to me. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Wow. Now, I, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that looks like. But I got a sense it's really good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So it isn't quantity. He's got less than half of what the other guy had he only doubled the two, bringing four rather than ten, and yet he gets the same reward. It's the faithfulness of working with what he's given you to work with, of investing yourself into God's purposes because he's given you equipment and the provision to do what he's asking you to do. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. Lo, there you have what's yours. Take it back. I'm not going to use it. Don't give it to me. You take it. His Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and slothful servant, 
You knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not scattered. You ought therefore to have put my money to the exchangers and then at my coming I should have received my own with at least interest. You should have done something even if it's the simplest thing you could do. Take therefore the talent from him, give it to him which has the ten, for unto every one that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. So three quick points on the opening line of this parable. Matthew twenty five fourteen. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. First, the kingdom of heaven is, is. In other words, we have come back from what the kingdom will be like then at the end of the age or in the last day to how it functions at the moment that Jesus speaks it and through all of the interim until we arrive at the then. The kingdom of God functions within these parameters up until you hear that trumpet sound. You want to know how to live your life? This is the recipe right here. So this applies to us specifically as we live our lives as kingdom of God kids. God has given you a talent, a gifting, a purpose. And I say that because Jesus states that it is his own servants his own servants. He called his own servants to him. Listen, we can, get, we can really get distracted at the success of certain people in the world. They seem to have all the gifting, all the talents, money, like money magnets, I mean, all kinds of things. And you start looking out there and saying, wow, you're really living good. But you never get a peek at their soul. You never hear the cry of their spirit longing for the one who gives the gifts and talents and never finding him. You have treasures in heavenly places that are so far beyond anything you can garner to yourself living in this world. But he still wants us functioning. So it's his own servants that are called to receive the talents, which is very exciting because it tells me I don't have to walk this out by my own strength. I don't have to be special. I don't have to be specifically equipped. I just have to be intimate with Jesus. I've got to love him and receive his love. I've got to pray to him and listen for his word. I've got to be obedient to what he tells me to do. It's as simple as that. But I also don't have to lose who I am in the mix because he gives to every man according to his own ability. I don't have to be, pretend to be Phil Strout. I'm me. <laughs> You're the luckiest group in town. You get me. Jesus enhances who I already am 
as an image bearer by investing his own stuff into who he created me to be. Which brings me to the third point, that the talents that he gives his servants are his own. He delivered to them his goods. His goods. Handle with care. They're his goods. John 14, 12, Jesus speaking, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. All the works that Jesus did. How many of you have read the Gospels? Do you know how much of Jesus' life is revealed to you in the Gospels? Nineteen and a half days. Do in your lifetime what he did in that nineteen and a half days. I dare you. Go ahead, because he said you can, and greater, right? John says if the book should ever be written of all that he had done, there wouldn't be enough room in the world to contain everything that would be written. So if we get the gospel's 19 and a half days and he was in ministry three and a half years, wow, it's volumes. And he's saying to us, because he's making his investment, he's taking his goods and putting it in us, greater things than these will you do. And we don't know the half of what he's done. Your talents are God's gift to you. What you do with them is your gift back to God. As the Apostle Paul suggests to the church at Rome in 12.6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, listen to this, let us use them. Should I say that again? Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's asking you to do. Doesn't have to be profound. It can be simple. There is such an awesome gift mix of talent on Thursday morning in this building when the food pantry is open and the body of Christ is ministering to the homeless, to the destitute, For those who come in here in the middle of snowstorms with sneakers with holes in them and no coats on. And they leave with boots and winter coats and hats and gloves and food in their hands. That's an investment of the talents that God has invested in this body. And it's recognized by the body of Christ all around us. You can can be that simple. It gifts of mercy. What does it say? The one who does gifts of acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I got to tell you, that's hard. That's hard to maintain cheerfulness 
every Thursday morning for four hours in that mix. Right, Billy? If Billy didn't come up from the basement every so often to cheer us up, we'd all be a mess up here on the second floor. Thank you, Billy. You're a good man. Listen, brothers, sisters, our God is generous beyond our understanding. He loves to give good gifts to his children. All that was invested into the life of Jesus as he lived as a man among us is now available to us as grace, freely given, although undeserved. In order that the goodness of God is expressed by the Son of God, to convey the love of God can continue to bring glory to God and life and hope to the lost and broken in a sin-soaked world. And what he has given as gifting, he does not take back. Romans 11.29 says, God is not fickle, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What he's put into you, just waiting for you to use. Just waiting for you to use. It's there forever. Now and in the kingdom to come. Don't think that when all of this is over, you get a cloud and a violin. Ain't going to happen. Now, I want to say this carefully so that no one gets offended or feels bad, but I think we need to address this. If you are not moving in, developing, or discovering your gifting, it is because you are not using them, as Paul states in Romans 12, 6. It's your lack of investment that keeps you from the gifts and calling of God. I have seen it over the last two years. Mike was with us last week. It's been a whole year. Do you know that we doubled our size of our leadership team in that year? A whole bunch of people made a decision, and I got to tell you, it's because of Sockham. School of Kingdom Ministry, gone through that school, made a, made a decision in their hearts, I want all that Jesus has for me. And all of a sudden, gifting, desires to do, ideas, ministry, calling, all began to emerge, and we just go for it. Go for it. Let us help you. Let's do it. Let's expand this. Let's step into that. Uh, Mike was amazed. Just amazed at how much has happened over the last year. If you pursue your gifting and calling, not only will God answer it, but this church will stand behind you and enable you to do what God is calling you to do because that's what we're called to do. One of the gifts of Jesus Christ to the church are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip the body of Christ to what? Do the works of service. If you think the pastors are going to do it all, you're wrong. Our job is to equip you to do what you think we ought to be doing. Okay? You got that bass backwards. Oh, that was slow. That just kind of slowly rolled down the aisle. 
Uh, bash shoes. <laughs> Gee, His Lord said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. We don't need to start off grandstanding. We need to start off with love. 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul says, pursue love. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. My very first activities as a brand new Christian was that I had discovered that my next door neighbor, we'll call her Mary, had been disabled by a stroke. I had noticed her, this is when I was living in Florida and we had these little bungalows and her grass in her yard was about that tall. And every so often she would come out of her front door and she was kind of hunched over and her hair was all dirty and matted and her nightgown was all stained and, and she would kind of shuffle out in her slippers and get her mail and shuffle back in. And I had my own thoughts of well, what her activities were about. But one day... I said something to her, and her response was, a stroke. I said, what? Stroke. And I said she had had a stroke. And so I kept conversing with her and found out she had, while she was in the hospital with the stroke, her heroin-addicted son emptied out her apartment, sold everything that had any value, and then went and emptied out all her bank accounts. And she was now alone in that home. And so I was probably only a Christian six weeks, not really knowing what to do, but I had my little pocket Bible. And in that pocket Bible, besides the New Testament, was the book of Psalms. So I made up a big pitcher of lemonade with ice in it and knocked on a door and kind of invited myself in and gave her a lemonade and read Psalms to her once a week probably less than an hour investment weekly. And as I was preparing to come back to uh, the Boston area, I said to Mary, uh, this will be the last time I'll be coming over. i got to prepare, pack up the, the travel trailer, and uh, going to be heading out. And uh, So I read her one of the psalms, and the closing line on the psalm was, I am the God who healeth thee. And I read that, and I closed the Bible, and I, wished her the best, and walked out the door. And three days later, as I'm packing the trailer, um, there's a knock on the door, and I come out, and there's this older woman. She's all nicely dressed. Her hair is done and makeup on, and she's standing erect, and she had a metal uh, box of hard candy with a bow on the top, and she said, I just came over to say thank you. And I said, oh, neat. You know, but who are you? <laughs> and she's, I'm Mary. I said, come on, you're kidding, right? I said, what happened to you? She says, well, you remember when you, the last time you came over and she, you said from the Psalms, I am the God who healeth you. She said, when you walked out the door, I threw myself on the floor and said, what about me, God? And he healed me. 
Now listen, a pitcher of lemonade is not a big talent. But it can be a life investment when the Spirit of God takes that talent and yeses it and amends it and ministers out of the talent that he's put in you. And I was in a church that didn't believe in that stuff. <laughs> so. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. This is important stuff. It's not about goosebumps. It's not about people falling down. Listen, it's about ministering life out from the body of Christ to a, wor a world that needs to experience the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what the giftings are about. Every time you invest a talent, you're investing his goods through your life. And somebody gets a taste of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Are you somebody? Are you somebody? Ask yourself inside. Am I somebody today? See, I think some of us got an inner voice that says, no, you're nobody. Hmm? But that isn't what the Word of God says. You're somebody. Not only are you somebody, you're a source of the glory of the risen Christ. And he's investing himself in you to be invested through you. But you've got to wake up your own spirit. You've got to wake up from the slumber that the unwise and the wise uh, virgins found themselves in. They fell asleep for a long time. Time to wake up, church, because you're somebody. To each, to each one of you, somebody's is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one, apportions to who? All right, now I want you to change the answer. I want you to say me, me. Apportions to who? He apportions to me, individually, as he wills. Gifts, service, activities essentially tell us that whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Then the Lord will gift your gifting and add favor to your activities so that your service will be fruitful for his glory and the well-being of souls. And it just keeps looping around, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again until it becomes the thing that you do, right? If you've been following uh, Todd White over the years, the early videos, he wasn't half as impacting as he is now because he keeps doing it. Keeps doing it again and doing it again and doing it again. God is asking the same thing of you today. He's asking the same thing of me today. He's made an investment of talents. I don't know if you've got five. I don't know if you've got two. I don't know if you've got one. If you've got one, at least keep it in your pocket. Don't put it in the ground. Carry it with you. Take it out. Look at it. Explore it. Challenge yourself with, I've got this talent. What am I going to do with it? Oh, I don't know if I can work with that, but I don't know. It's kind of nice. Shine it up a little, you know, let the sun reflect something. Let's stay alive in Jesus. You know what? The world depends on it. Laconia depends on it. Your family depends on it. You depend on it. Let's pray. Well, we thank you, Holy Spirit.